The kind of old-fashioned cop who preferred working the streets and making arrests to taking tests toward promotion. He was the closest thing New York had to a dirty Harry. This is One Tough Podcast on the OG Podcast Network. Here's your host, Bo Deedle. Welcome to One Tough Podcast. I'm joined here, like always, today he copied my friggin' jacket with Carlo, my producer. Hello. Carl, what are you, knocking me off here or what? Well, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, well, today we have someone very interested. I've been trying to reel this guy in because this guy is truly a great American that took a real beating and went to jail for something that uh, a lot of people are trying to cover up. And Bradley Birkenfeld is here with us today. He's the author of uh, Lufus, uh, how do you say that devil shit? Lucifer's Banker. Lufus, how do you say Lucifer. Well, I don't like to say it because it's the devil. Why don't you say the devil's banker? Well, it's the bank is the devil. I was just the banker. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we 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 uh, are really proud about you here today. We're going to get into some shit because what's interesting about this again is it's the same old song, but because you decided to uh, uh, put the light on and with this corruption, you were then eaten up by the corrupt government. Similar to what's going on with Trump today with uh, the just Department of Justice before Donald Trump became the president. And this is a very interesting book. And prior to us coming on the air, he says, when is the movie coming out? Because when people listen to it, now you got to understand, we got lots of listeners. So I want you to bring us all around. We'll start with your back out, background, first of all, and how it all led up to this. Certainly. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Bo. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. It's really... Uh... Hold on one second. For people that they don't turn the thing off, you understand something? My man here, Bradley, was able to, to get over $100 million handed to him tax-free for exposing this terrible thing. Good, Brad. And that, that, that's a great point. That's the IRS, which it's hard to get a check out of those guys at any time, let alone a <laughs> nine-digit check. It usually goes the other way. And I did pay tax on it like a good American. So ah, you did. Uh... It's, uh, well, you know, got to do the right things. And um, no, I grew up in Boston, and uh, I was the youngest of three boys, and my, uh, my dad... Uh, Drove us hard. You know, we weren't uh, spoiled. We worked every summer, and uh, I went to military school in Vermont, did my ROTC up there at Norwich. Uh, I didn't go in because I was too tall to fly jets, and I should have been in the Army and flown helicopters, but uh, that was past. So I went to London, and I spent a semester in London in school as an economics major, and then I came back to Boston to be a, a currency trader at State Street Bank. So I did that, and I talk about that in the book, and then I started seeing illegal stuff going on there. And I said, geez, this is crazy. Illegal meaning what? Well, they were ripping off pension plans with currency trades. You would have a loss at General Electric, so we'd put it over here on Amico, and then Amico would have a so loss. So in other words, on stock losses, they would move currencies, around. On yeah. currencies. And you couldn't see it unless you worked there. And I said, hey, this I don't want to be a part of this. So these were the actual institutions were committing these their crimes. Frauds. Fraud. Exactly. Yeah. Criminal fraud. Exactly, Bo. And you know, you, you never think that's really going on. Like, well, you know, you hear about this, but you don't really think it's happening. And I witnessed it. And I went to the FBI. And the FBI did nothing. So let's let's go back to State Street Capital. Okay, so now State Street Capital? Uh, State Street Global Advisors. Global Advisors was the first job you took. And you, would, you were there. You first started to notice the inconsistencies and the corruption right then and there. Exactly. And then what happens after that? 
Well, I saw it and I felt I, I can't I can't take this. I, I really need to report this because if, if you go to your boss, he's he's the one who's responsible. How's he going to fix it? Right. Well, so I uh, they, they said, well, if you're not going to play along, we're going to put you on probation. And, you know, then they ultimately fired me. I said, I didn't do anything wrong. Did you ever file any kind of lawsuit against them? Back then, it really White, was. White, single male, 28 years old. Go get go, another job. Go get another job. And then they blackballed me. So I went to the FBI. I said, well, here's all the information. Oh, you, that's the first time that you went to the FBI. Yep. So, State Street. Wow. So that's going back what year? That was uh, 1994. And guess who was head of the U.S. Attorney's Office back in Boston? Robert Mueller. Ah. So it all that name comes I together, remember, yeah. Right? And that FBI office with Whitey Bulger. A little oh. corruption going on there, too. Oh, yeah. Exact same time. Conley was fixing it with uh, Whitey and all. So I, I didn't know what was going on around me. I figured, well, these guys are the FBI. They'll do their mm -hmm. job. They didn't do their job. They buried it. So when you came to them with, it, with all this information, you met with the, uh, the, the uh, FBI agents from their white-collar division and all that. So what was their response? Well, they looked at me and said, well, you know what? How do you know this? I said, look, you've got to bring in the Department of Labor. You've got a risk of pension plan money. And they're looking at me and said, geez, we don't understand all this stuff. That's what I was going to say. Probably the agents didn't know what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> exactly. It was like Greek. And they're looking at me. I said, no, look, guys, it's very simple. If you do it this way, you've got to bring a Department of Labor and IRS and SEC and this and that. And they just looked at me and said, would you, you know, two weeks later, they said, would you like to work with us? I said, are you crazy? I'm going to Switzerland. I'm going to get my master's. I got to get out of here. So they wanted you to work with them then? They wanted to hire me as, a, as an expert, like be an undercover FBI. So, I mean, look, what I've learned is good. We can, you know, we've been in a, from retired from the police, we get some pretty complex investigations. My way of understanding investigations, I tell it to everyone. Say, if you came to me with this, I'd say, Bradley, do me a favor. Put together a friggin' flow chart. So everyone there, so when I bring it to the U.S. attorney or the FBI, because every time I present something, they sit there, and I think they're thinking about getting laid or something because they're not focused on they're not focused on what we're what we're there about. With a flowchart, brother, that's one thing I learned. I'm not that smart, but I learned one thing: when you're able to explain the what you're investigating, it's so much easier with a flowchart because then the dumb agent's sitting there going like this, yeah, yeah. And when you leave, well, he was thinking about was getting laid. You know what I'm exactly. trying to say? On the jelly donut on the table. Right. <laughs> so now you now they asked you, and then you leave state. Good. So I leave uh, State Street. I go to Switzerland, and, and the book starts to detail this, where I figured I had to uh, start my career over. So I went in and got a master's in finance. You finals. just go to Switzerland with no job. Nope. And I mean, well, they, they talk English, so that was one good thing. Yes. So go ahead. Let me hear how, how you did it. You just knocked on the door and said, I want a job. What happened? Well, though, I went there to get my master's, and I figured if I'm in school getting my master's, I can look for what a job. What school would that be over there? It was a little American school, American Graduate School of Business in Switzerland, and it was great because it was international, and I could start marketing my skills and try and get a job after I finished my studies. And what would you say your skills? were at that point? Well, I was a currency trader. I had an economics degree. I studied in London. Um, I had done a lot of uh, compliance work and uh, cash and derivatives work. So people said, wow, this guy's worked for a major institution, State Street Global Advisors, and he's got all these degrees. And then I got a master's in Switzerland. So, wow, he's got the education, mm -hmm. letters of recommendation. I mean, you know how it works in the banking business. You've got to sort of build your profile. And I was in Switzerland. So I was like, hmm, wow, I sort of stood out because most of the guys there never went to school. 
They mm. were just interns. They might have gone to college, but they never went and got a master's. So I, I knew I was a step above, and lo and behold, boom, I get hired by Credit Suisse Private Banking in Geneva. While I was in school, I got a contract and a work permit, which was unheard of. It's very right. hard to get. I didn't speak fluent French. I said, oh, geez, how am I going to get around this? The guy loved me, and I got the job. Wow. Yeah, wow. this was a blessing from above. So I got the job. That was 1996. Then he moved to Singapore, and I said, no, I want to stay in Geneva. But I was going to be his right-hand man. But I said, look, I, I want to be in Switzerland. I don't want to be in Asia. Mm -hmm. Sadly, two yeah, years. Yeah, nobody wants to be. I mean, I've been to both places. Oh. Switzerland, uh, <laughs> by far. I mean, you go to, the last time I was in Beijing. What's the name of Beijing, Beijing. Mm -hmm. That joint, I went there for a week. I wanted to put a gun in my mouth. Exactly. Horrible. Dirty God. and just crazy. Smog, dirty, woman have no asses. Oh, it and the place food sucks, everything. Teeth, teeth like burglar tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, guys, so now you got a good job in Switzerland. Now do you start to see some bad shit there then? Well, you see what's going on. Now in Switzerland, if you want to avoid paying taxes, it's legal. It's part of their constitution, and it's a really interesting story. Well, we, I, I have experience with that with Jordan Belfort. During the, uh, you know, I mean, I was the guy that was there during that, and it was that was where they were burying money because the bankers there would be part and parcel with the tax evasion. Exactly correct, Bo, and this is exactly what I saw now in Geneva. Um, have you been to Geneva? Yeah, yeah, I've been both places. Oh boy, two hundred thousand people live there. Mm -hmm. There's one hundred thirty banks. Wow. Now that's that's a bank for every sixteen hundred people, yeah. and it's not Swiss money in those banks. No. It's Peru, it's America, Canada. Putin's money. Everybody. Oh, everyone's money. Is there. <laughs> Little and, Russian money you know, there. Oh, yeah, Colombian drug cartels. So, yeah. you know, the Swiss have always been this way. But they had something called Swiss Bank Secrecy started in 1934. This is fascinating. And they started, 1934, before World War II. Exactly. Hitler comes to power in the Third Reich in 33, and he says, if anyone moves any German money, a Fennig, out of the country, they'll shoot you. They'll kill you. Mm -hmm. That's what he said. Why? And he wasn't kidding. And he wasn't kidding. And he, and, he, and he stood by that. And that was for the war effort. Okay, so it, uh, you can understand it even though he was a bit crazy. But, but I'm sure we looked. There were a few Hitler accounts in Switzerland. but guys. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> and then what he did was uh, the Swiss said, okay, we're going to counter that and say Swiss bank secrecy. We will never disclose the identity of an individual or a bank account holder in Switzerland. That was Article 47, 1934. That's where it came out. So that's where Swiss bank secrecy comes from. Attorney-client privilege, medical privilege, you have banking privilege. So you can't get any damn information. Nothing. Governments couldn't. Uh, lawsuits couldn't. Law enforcement couldn't. And it was people were stymied. They said, what the hell's going on? There's no transparency. There's no accountability. So there's drug dealers, insider trading, you know, all this dirty money going around, extortion, bribery, guns, prostitution. Mm. I mean, everything you can name so, under the sun. So what year is this now? So I'm there. Well, that started in 1934, bank secrecy. In the no, no, 30s, no, is, the, is that when the numbered bank accounts started as well? Swiss numbered, uh, numbered bank accounts started a little bit after that, but it was the secrecy, and then it just got so into So to let up listing people, so in other words, you would get an account, and it wouldn't be Bo Dito, it would be XYZ24 or something. And you'd have so a no one, And so no one could ever can, uh, compare that with who it is. Never. It was like you know, Mission Impossible with the knock list. Yeah. Exactly like that. And we had computer systems that were so advanced to protect, even if we worked would, with... And so you worked with which bank in the 90s there? I worked, um, I worked with um, Credit Suisse for Credit Suisse, uh, two okay. years, from 96 to 98. 
uh, Barclays Private Bank from 98 to 2001, and then I got headhunted to UBS from 2001 to 2006. So in Switzerland, you now started getting your feet on the ground there. Now you're seeing all this, but yet that's an acceptable thing. So how are you going to change the system the way it is? Well, that was exactly it, Bo. So I'm in there. And in my book, I detailed they had priests from the Vatican coming and getting oh, money. Oh, I'm sure it was Vatican money. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic, but I, I'm very much against my religion. I pray directly to God. I don't need no intermediaries. Right, go right to the big man. The right to the big man, because I've seen enough with the corruption of the Catholic Church. So. And, and this was it. And we saw a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. there. Now, there were people who were hiding money from ex-wives. They were hiding from business partners. And the tax man. Of okay, course. you can understand why people would do that for various reasons. Whether you believe it's right. Right or wrong, that's another ethical issue. So anyways, they, they promoted this. And they promoted it hard worldwide. Politically stable, economically stable. This was a, an organization, Switzerland, that catered to the wealthy around the world. And that was it. Period. Dictators, billionaires, millionaires, guys who were bringing up their, um, their businesses, IPO-owned businesses. Jordan Belfort to the world. Why? They knew they could put it there and no one could touch them. But, you know, these guys got footloose and fancy free and law enforcement said, oh, okay, smart guy. Now we got you. So, and I knew exactly the bank he dealt with, UBP, Union Bank Air Privé. It was right on the street from us. So it was, this was, this was actually a cartel. This is what I call it. It's called the criminal cartel of Switzerland. So now we're 2001 about. When I started at UBS and I started, sadly, three weeks after 9-11. Right. So now you started... 9-11 9-11 occurs, the world's changing right oh, now, yeah. and you're seeing all this corruption there, but yet you're saying to yourself, this is a way of life, and this is accepted now. How can you change an accepted responsibility? Your responsibility is to do your job, not to change the law or change the world. Go ahead. That's exactly right. So when you're in, a, in an environment, I was a resident of Switzerland. I worked in Switzerland with a work permit. That, those are their laws. You have to respect their laws. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So their laws are there. So what had happened was when I was working there, I uh, came across uh, one of my colleagues. He says, look, I'm leaving, so we're going to give everyone some accounts. So, you, you know, Bo, you get five for New York. You might get some in uh, Philadelphia. I might get some in Boston. So I'm flipping through this. Now, this is three weeks after 9-11. And I'm thinking, oh, a doctor, okay, a businessman, real estate. Uh, mm-hmm. What? I said, That's your client? He goes, why? What's wrong? I said, have you, have you realized what went on three weeks ago? The world has changed. He goes, yeah. I said, that's Osama bin Laden's biological brother. He's got $14 million with us, and he lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He goes, well, we got to call him. I said, I'm not calling him. Are you, you crazy? You just bombed my freaking country. bombed the country, you ass. And wow. I'm sitting there. So that put the fear of God in me. I must tell you, I'm getting goosebumps. Just I'm, I'm getting goosebumps listening to you. And it's bin Laden's book. brother's account is there, and you look around, and you as an American just knew we just got to- totally destroyed. destroyed. And New York said, we're not putting up with this shit. So I looked at this, and I said, what am now, I going where, where did you get that information out to about bin Laden's brother? Did you right escape? Right from him. He was, the, he was the, the private banker for him. No, no, but did you get that information out to anybody? Well... At that time, I, I kept it, and then I gave it to the DOJ later. They say, oh, we're not interested. This is what happened. This is a great story. Even with Bush in there? I went on. Yeah, they guys didn't want to hear about it, and I went on 60 Minutes, and Steve Croft is a real scumbag. Oh, you did a 60-minute segment. Oh, yeah, and I gave him that information. I said, you know, I went to the DOJ, and I said, look, here's this information. This guy's the brother of the most wanted terrorist in the world. Yeah. He goes, 
We're not interested in non-Americans. I said, what? Are you kidding? kidding me? So I said to him, I said, you know, Steve, what I recommend you do is you go and you interview all the families had their loved ones murdered on 9-11. And you tell them that you're not interested. And you ask them if they're interested about this. Oh, man. And you're telling me you're not interested? And Steve Croft did nothing and he cut it out of the interview. Wow. The 60 minutes interview, he cut all that out. I said, all these people at 9-11, and I was giving them information, plus another terrorist guy dealing with Saddam Hussein who lived right down in Rockefeller Center in a $50 million condo. It's in the book. You'll read it. Wow. I can't wait to read this oh, book. Oh, this is incredible. Abdul Aziz Abbas had $420 million in secret numbered accounts. The whole numbered accounts are in the book. I can show it to you. So I go to the DOJ and says, well, we're not interested in these guys. I said, would you be interested in the guys who were flying the planes on 9-11? They were non-Americans, too. I mean, this burned me. I was so upset. But the DOJ did nothing. IRS did nothing. Yeah, but and now we're, we're talking well, about after 9-11. So it's a different environment. We didn't get the corruption of, uh, of, of, uh, uh, of Clinton's yet. So, I mean, you still couldn't do it even with Bush there? Well, it was at the tail end of his, uh, his uh, tour. He was leaving, and the new president was about to be elected, which... Sad, it was Obama. You talk about 08 then. 08, that's it. Because see, I quit. No, so let's yeah, let's keep the chronological order going because we went from 9 11. Yeah, you have a little space in there. Yeah, so I worked there from um, uh, 2001 to 2006, and I resigned in 05, but it, it carried over because they still pay you when you resign. In and that bank was UBS, UBS, largest bank in the world at the it time. It wasn't merged with Payne Weber. Yeah, they, they had bought Payne Weber, the brokerage units here in America, which is the onshore business. But we that was the, the one Joe Granner was running. And Joe actually negotiated that deal way back in 1990. Oh, gosh. I forget exactly. Yeah, with that there. tall 96. guy, the Skeletora, I used to call him. Who was the head guy? Uh, Matt, yeah. He was up for the Treasury. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, he was the uh, CEO. Yeah, I forget his name. You're right. And uh, I call him uh, Skeletoro. Skeletor. Because <laughs> he's like about six foot six, yeah, skinny and all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bring him out of the coffin. Um, but, yeah, we were in Switzerland, in Geneva. And so we were seeing this stuff. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute. All these guys have got money here in Switzerland. And this guy in particular, Abdallah bin Laden. I mean, this was the biological brother of the most wanted terrorist in the world. And I said to the DOJ, wouldn't you want to go talk to at least that guy? I'm not saying he's a terrorist, but at least he might know something about his brother, how he works, where he travels, yeah. what he does. His bank accounts are well, here. Well, maybe he's supplying money to him. Or maybe he's even supplying money yeah. to him. So why yeah. are we going after these leads? Oh, we're going to go after the milkman and ask him or the postman? I mean, what kind of nonsense is this? This is... So now you got 2005, Carlo. Go so a, a colleague of mine comes to me and says, hey, Brad, we, uh, I found this document on the internet, our internal computer system. I said, look, I don't have time for this. I'm busy. What? I said, show me where you found this, this document, this three-page document on our computer. And he showed me. I said, okay, go back to your desk. I'll talk to you later. Now, that document was authorized to be written by somebody, authorized to be put on the internet. In essence, what the document professed was it contradicted everything we were doing about going from Switzerland, coming to America to visit existing clients and get potential clients. I said, wait a minute. So no, we can't bring account opening forms? No. We can't cold call people and talk to them? No. We can't sell them products? No. I said, wait a minute. For the last four years, that's what you've been telling us to do. We would come here every quarter for two weeks. New York, Miami, Chicago, L.A., Dallas. And tell clients, hey, we got a place you can put your money. You don't have to pay. I mean, would you say you don't have to pay any taxes? They knew exactly what uh, that is. Wink, wink. Wink, nod, nod. 
And we had 19,000 clients, $20 billion in assets. Wow. So think about that for a sec, guys. If you're rich here in America, and then you're rich enough to put a nest egg over there, that means you're really rich. Mm-hmm. Minimum account size, $1 million. So now you start to get a feel for what's going on here. This whole thing started to expand into what? A cartel. America, Canada, Mexico, Germany, Italy, Spain, France, Japan, China. They had all these teams going around the world to bring in the money. Bring in mm. the money. So I call it the cartel. So what And ha- that would be Credit Suisse at that time. Uh, this was UBS. UBS would be the cartel. The cartel. Now, Credit Suisse was a part of it. UBP, all these banks you investigated. Yeah. The Jordan Belfort story. So I said to him, I said, look, guys, I wasn't trained on this document. And I wasn't told about this document. You just slipped it in there. So if we get caught, say, hey, you know, Bo, you didn't read the document. I'm doing my job. Right. But they'd say, well, we put this document on the Internet. You didn't read it, so you're screwed. Was there any disclaimer on there? Nothing. They just they put it in there to hide it. And I caught my colleague caught it. I went to my boss. I said, what the hell is this? He almost got the fisticuffs in his office. I said, this is bullshit. You're putting all these kids at risk. They're married with kids. And you're making them commit fucking, excuse me, felonies. Felonies. Yeah, and wow. I said this, I, and I was the only American there, so I stood up for my, my colleagues. I said, now, what year are we talking about? This was two, 2005, March of 2005. So what happens then? So I almost got a fist fight with my boss in his office, short Swiss guy. I almost roundhoused him. Oh, I was furious. Yeah. So I said, oh, calm down, calm down, go back. I sat down at my desk, and I was managing about $400 million. And I'm thinking, shit, I'm in the same boat. You had about $400 million in your accounts. Of uh, my clients. Yeah. So now, how much commission were you making on something like that? Well, we don't make commissions like here. Here, you're brokers. Over there, we get paid a set salary, and then you get a bonus. You're controlling $400 million. How much money were you making on it? Well, I, for my salary and my bonus, now, I did, a, I did the smart American thing. I negotiated a performance-based bonus, like here in America. You know, you get your bonuses. Over there, they don't do that. They said, no, we don't do these contracts. But because I was headhunted by a firm in London, I said, I'm not coming unless you give me this performance-based bonus. Because one day he said, oh, you picked your nose, you don't get a bonus. I said, no, I want a contractual. So for people to understand now, what kind of interest on $400 million was the bank given? Oh, they made a fortune. See, No, no, giving to the client. Well, it So if, what, if you took $10 million of Bo's money, how much am I going to make on that other than not pay taxes? Well, it depends how aggressive you want to be. So let's just say you're in a 50% tax bracket, and I make you $5 million in a year. Instead of you paying 2.5, you're paying zero. So you don't really care about paying us maybe, you know, 100 grand. Yeah. Because I saved you $5 million. <laughs> or $10 million, or $20 million, or whatever yeah. the number may be. We managed $20 billion. Wow. So the fee was contingent on the savings? Well, I mean, it depends on the product you bought. You know, some were very conservative, some were aggressive, some wanted to buy stocks, sell stocks, some wanted just portfolio management. It just depended. Someone just wants to stuff the money there and not pay taxes on it. Open safe deposit box, close the safe deposit That's it. box. Boom. Have a nice day. Right. Go to Paris, buy your wife a diamond ring. Take go some to, cash out of there, make get, the move. Get a nice watch, get a Ferrari, whatever you wanted. So, Brad, so what prompted UBS to put this memo in place? What was going on? Were there any laws being passed? Was, or they just said, we have to cover our ass here? Well, we had the Patriot Act, thank God, from Yeah, from 2001, right. And then you had uh, a few other laws that were being passed to say, look, you've got you to comply with the laws of America because, you know, we're going to try and control what's going on outside our borders because dollars are being used for a variety of sources, as mm-hmm. we all know. Anyways, the bank had something called QI, Qualified Intermediary Status. For instance, hypothetically, if you guys had accounts with me, I'd say to you guys, you either 
uh, declare your accounts to the IRS from Switzerland, <laughs> or you sell all your U.S. holdings and own foreign holdings, like German stocks, Italian bonds, whatever it might be. Nobody, nobody declared the account. Everyone sold their U.S. holdings. So in early 2000, 2001, you saw the market go down a bit. I'm convinced in Europe, everybody was selling U.S. securities for the Americans and all the banks to comply with the U.S. standards. I kept trying to tell this to the government. So that was still legal at the time. As long as you didn't hold any U.S.-based securities, you could you still, could, you could still the trade, trade the European markets oh, or Asian, Asian markets. And you didn't have to report it? Okay. Nope. And that was the crazy no, thing. No, now yeah. Well, now oh, I destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when I finally came in, I then I took this memo and I went, uh, I was furious. And I called, I sent an email to the head of compliance and the head of legal. I said, I need an answer to this. No answer. Now, I'm a director. I manage $400 million. I manage about five people. I said, why aren't you answering me? So I got a little nervous with that. If you ever have a problem, you ask legal or compliance. Yeah. They come back to you. It's internal. No problem. Mm-hmm. Second month, I send it. No answer. Now I'm really getting nervous. So I start withdrawing some documents out of the bank. I didn't steal anything. I took documents that were given to me, so it's my property. And I was hiding them across the border in France because in Geneva, it's about a 10-minute ride to France mm-hmm. in case they raided my office, my home. So I'm thinking out loud, hmm, how do I, how do I cover my tracks here? Because this was, this was serious. This was serious. Now, who was raiding it? I was thinking, hypothetically, if they ever raided my home and caught on to what I was up to, no, you talk about the bank rating. The here. bank, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, in yeah, the Swiss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, this was, this was a serious breach, but they were breaking the law. And mm-hmm. I said, I want an answer, and they won't answer me. Third month I send it, still no answer. So I put my resignation letter together. I walk in the bank. I resign on October 5th, 2005. And they said, why are you resigning? I said, don't give me that bullshit. You know, I've been asking for an answer to this memo, and I want an answer. They said, you're not going to get an answer. I pushed everyone aside. I leaned over the table in the HR's face, human resources. I said, you're effing wrong. I will get an answer whether you like it or not. She started trembling. I said, here are my keys. Here's my IDs. I'm done with you. I'm gone. So I leave the bank. But I'm on something called gardening leave where they pay you for six months. Yeah. So what I did then was I took my complaint, which is all in writing. I have all these documents. I sent it to every member of the board of directors in Zurich of UBS. I said, now it's your problem. Now you fix it. Now... That's serious. Because yeah, but now, you just opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> we kicked, kicked a nuclear hornet's nest. <laughs> so what happened was they called me and called my attorney in Geneva and said, oh, we need your help. We're calling an investigation. You need my help to tell you how you're breaking the law. <laughs> really? So I helped them. Just, you know, let's do it right. Let's make it happen. So we did that. Gave them some false information. Gave them some accurate information. I knew how to play the game. Two weeks later, I go see my buddies in a bar in Geneva. Say, hey, we got to meet. It's okay, okay, we'll meet. I said, hey, what did they talk about in the investigation? A, B, and C? No, no. They talked about X, Y, and Z. I said, what are you talking about? Nothing about A, B, or C? No. Nothing about what Nothing the whole Nothing what fight. I gave them. They buried it again. I said, that's it. I'm done. Took my documents. I flew to Boston, changed flights in Boston in case they were tracking me, came to Washington, and went in. My mistake was going to the Department of Justice. By going to the DOJ, all these guys want to do was cover up their stupidity and their corruption. And that's what's clear today. So in, in 2005, you go to the Department of Justice or the IRS? Which one? Well, I first, get, I first try to get a law firm in Washington. And how about this? Every major law firm in D.C. was on retainer by UBS. Which is a conflict. They couldn't even talk to you. Couldn't even talk to me. Said, sorry, we can't deal with you. I couldn't find a law firm, Bo. I was, I was, I was a man without a country. I'm telling you, I got the biggest story in the world. 
Now, when did the 60-minute piece go? Well, that came out in 2009. Nine. After, well, so let's just stay on, on okay. course here. So we're talking about you going in 06. Uh, we, we talked about, did you then see this, uh, uh, this new the law with the whistleblower law thing? Well, did you think about that at first, or was your whole contention about blowing this thing wide open, not for your own benefit, but to blow the thing open well, as an American? Well, that was exactly it. I had the right ethical standing to do the right thing. Now, when I started whistleblowing, the law didn't even exist. So in March of 05, when I started the whistleblowing that I just outlined for you, then I quit my job. I was making $2 million a year. Then I went to the board of directors. Then I was ultimately done with the bank in May of uh, 2006. The law didn't pass until uh, December 2006. So I started a year and a half before the law was even passed. So no one can say you did it for the money because I didn't know. It was not even a law yet. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't even know any of this yeah. stuff. So I go in around 2006 to Washington with my attorneys. I brief them about all this information. I had archive boxes full of PowerPoint presentations, emails, documents, uh, account opening forms. But you couldn't talk to nobody. I couldn't talk to nobody. So I said, guys, you got to get me in front of somebody. Ultimately, they advised wrongly to go to the DOJ, the corrupt DOJ. Now, these guys. Now, this would be what year? This was 2007. So right now we're going to go into an election. And right now you're going into an election. But you still had uh, Department of Justice people from Bush, but they were on their way out. They are on their way out, but there were some guys in there that were just looking to make their career, and they didn't give a shit about the American people. And that was it. And so you got it. no cooperation. I got no traction. Then the world starts to end. And then, yes, and then they start attacking me. They say, you're not a whistleblower, you're just this. I said, you can call me a giraffe. It doesn't make me a giraffe. But now the law was in effect, the whistleblower law. And that's what they didn't like. So they knew that if you blow this open, there's a possibility of you making some serious money. And they're so they're jealous of you, yes. what, you could, what your opportunity could be. Not only jealous on that, Bo, but also looking competent because they didn't uncover it. That's your job. Yeah, jerk off. This yeah. has been going on. What, what have you been it's doing with your finger doing. up your ass? Exactly. Yeah, have another jelly donut. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, the first thing was, yeah, jealous of me. Second was, you were incompetent and corrupt. And the third is, when I gave you on a platinum platter, you still fucked it up. Mm. The largest and longest running tax fraud in the world. Nothing comes closer. Nothing. So... This goes on. So I go to DOJ and I get hammered there. I'm like, why am I here? I'm kicking my attorney under the table. I said, this is fucking bullshit. Let's get out of here. And they start threatening me. So, well, we want the names. I said, give me a subpoena. I'm under Swiss Bank Secrecy. I live in Switzerland. So we're not giving you a subpoena. I said, fuck you, not getting the names. We almost got in a fight in DOJ. So then I went to the Senate. Senate gladly gave me a subpoena. That covered me. because Which senators were you dealing with? I was dealing with the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations on the Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, it was Carl Levin, and he was a showboat. Again, you know, I, I, was, I was left high and dry. I didn't know who to trust anymore in my own government. Mm -hmm. DOJ was useless. Unbelievable. Was, that back then, they still were fuck-ups. They could fuck anything up. And this was a free lunch on a platinum platter. I was flying on my dime across the pond, bringing documents, risking my career, my life, my finances. Somebody could have whacked you. I oh, mean, I mean like look, this. if you were going to freak with my money and I'm a bad guy, I would have had you whacked. Bun. Done. Yeah. Done. And then this, this spread not just from the U.S. desk. This thing affected all of the banks in Switzerland. So that means every single private account in wow. Switzerland has been screwed due to my historic and unprecedented whistleblowing. So I come in there to the Senate, 
and I get protection. Thank goodness, because I was going to be arrested back then. So I was going back and forth between Washington and Geneva. So that way I had the protection. But then things were heating up back in in um, in Switzerland. My friends are saying, we're getting phone calls. DOJ calls the bank and tips them off. Wow. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? This was something I was giving you on the sly. You do your investigation. I told you, here's the bankers' names. Here's the hotels they stay at. Here are their phone numbers. You can tap the phones. He goes, yeah, you watch too much Hollywood. Too much Hollywood? Are you joking? FBI comes in all the time. With you, I've, I've gotten wiretaps and I've gotten warrants. With you as a witness, I swear you in. You go there, we go before the judge, and we get the wiretaps. So that's bullshit. Go exactly. ahead. Exactly. And that was the DOJ, once again, the corrupt DOJ that even President Trump has been dealing with. I feel his pain. I went through it. Mm. So okay. this whole thing goes along. And so now, now all of a sudden, you, you're, you're, when do you actually get some traction? Well, the traction comes is when the Senate starts to call their own investigation and, and Bigfoot's the DOJ, and that's where they got pissed off at me, and that's when they started. So the Senate starts saying to the DOJ, well, what, what's up? We got all this tax fraud going on in Switzerland. What the hell are you doing? Exactly. Where have you been? What are you, playing golf every day? So they start doing the investigation. Then I say, I'm going to the SEC. I want to let them know, too. Of so course. We get, we get the third group involved. Then I go to the IRS. We get them involved. Now DOJ's furious because they can't keep the, the monkey in the bag. No, now well, they, they have to explain. they got to explain. Where have you been? What did you do with the information he gave you? Yeah. What's going on? You just threaten them? You don't actually work So the them? IRS, I mean, the uh, Department of Justice will threaten you yeah. with tax evasion? They would say, well, you're part of it. I said, no shit. That's why I'm coming in to tell you. I'm trying to drop the laundry and show yeah. you everything. <laughs> no one in history ever was able to penetrate Swiss bank secrecy. I gave them the mother load. Mm. And that was, the, that was just one bank, but I knew everything about all the other banks. HSBC, Deutsche Bank, UBP, Pictet, Lombard Odier. I was the guy that gave them the, the mother law, the, the holy grail to the biggest fraud in the world. And they attack the whistleblower. And I end up being the only guy to go to jail in the financial crisis. So wait a second. Let's just put so the yeah, so, people. So what while this is going on, the financial crisis is hitting. It hits. I come back to help the Senate testify again. And the DOJ arrests me at Boston Logan Airport. They arrest me. I come right off the plane and they arrest me. And what do they charge you with? The one count conspiracy charge. And it was, I had awful lawyers. So you didn't have an attorney with you yet? No, you I couldn't had a, find one? No, I had attorneys who had taken me in in 2006 yeah. and 2007. This was 2008. And I was going back and forth, giving more documents and testimony. And the DOJ wanted to kibosh me. So they indict me. Now, my attorneys quickly have me plead guilty. They told me to plead guilty. Plead guilty to what? That's what That's what I said. I said, well, why should I plead guilty now? Obviously, you follow your lawyer's advice, bad lawyer's advice, later sued them and won, but that's behind them. But why wouldn't they give you immunity? Don't know. They kept saying, let's see what you have, and then we'll give you immunity. And they never secured it beforehand. That was my biggest no, mistake. No, the attorneys was your biggest mistake. That was the biggest they mistake. They seemed like idiots. Morals. How do they let you go in there without getting immunity? Well, some protection. Yeah, I'm going to go yeah. into battle without a bulletproof vest. Yeah. So that's the saddest part of the story. So I end up pleading guilty, but then I go down to a court in Florida. I had nothing to do with Florida, so they form shopped us down to Florida. To who they have out there. Bingo. They, they, choose, they choose a certain judge. That they were in, 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 in bed, bed with. with. 
Yeah. And that's what happened. And I, I say in front of judge, but judge, I came in here. I gave this information voluntarily. They never even knew me. And this, this exposed everything. Even the prosecutor said we never would have exposed this without him coming, walking in the front door of the Department of Justice. So why are you trying to put him in jail? So now everything blows wide open. It goes haywire. Go ahead. So then Obama becomes president. And Obama was then playing golf with the chairman of UBS Americas, Robert Wolf. Puts him on two of his committees in the White House. He's accepting bundled campaign contributions from him in the millions of dollars. But this is the problem with Barack Obama. And this is a fact. And I want it to be clear for your listeners and both of you gentlemen. I went to the U.S. Senate and testified. That committee was investigating criminal conduct by a foreign bank on our soil. Tax and securities laws for decades in the billions of dollars. There was a senator by the name of Barack Obama who was on that committee but never showed up for one hearing. If you go check it yourself, fact check it. Didn't show up, but he's going to say, I was running for president. Well, that's fine. But at the same time you were running for president and they were investigating UBS for criminal conduct, you were taking millions of dollars from the chairman of UBS America. Sounds similar to our mayor in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Similar, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, two clowns in the, in, the, in the big house. So then that goes over real well. The day I get sentenced to go to jail in Florida, Obama's playing golf with the chairman of UBS on Martha's Vineyard, mm. Robert Wolf. Okay, let's go to Eric Holder. Eric Holder, attorney general, another genius who gives the Mark Rich pardon. Mm-hmm. Mark Rich's attorney had $25 million at UBS Zurich. Rudy Giuliani got side-slapped. By Eric Holder. And he's still furious today. I saw Rudy down in Washington. Rudy's a good friend of mine. Great guy. Yeah. And, and what Rudy doesn't realize is not only Mark Rich was the guy he could have got, but his attorney who gave him the information of how to get out of New York and get to Switzerland. He had an account there too, the yes. attorney? $25 million at UBS Zurich. And I gave that to the DOJ. They didn't want to hear about that. Then we go Eric Holder. He worked in private practice for Covington and Burley, a firm in Washington, who was his biggest client. UBS. Then we get to Hillary. Wonderful, corrupt Hillary flying around on a broomstick. She comes in and gets directed by Barack Obama to settle the UBS case. Not the Attorney General for law enforcement. Not, not maybe the FBI. The Secretary, Secretary of State. State. Did, did uh, Colin Powell ever handle a criminal investigation? Re- was Reed Weingarten involved with this? Reed Weingarten was in that law firm with, uh, with uh, uh, the Holder. Attorney General. Yes. I have to check the notes on that. But Reed Weingarten. The he's, fact you put Hillary Clinton in charge of a criminal investigation of this As she's the Secretary of State. State. And then what is she doing also? Oh, so now what happens is, out of 19,000 accounts, she only gets 4,700 names. Why not all the names? Three guys rob a bank. You get one guy and let the other two guys walk away? So she gets a 25% of the names. That's a 75% failure rate. To this day, we still don't understand who picked the names. What did you know, reach in the barrel? Oh, Democrats. Now, how, yeah, but how did she get access to the names? She was in charge. Obama directed her to put her in charge of the So she goes to Switzerland. She goes to Switzerland. And then they decide, well, this one's one of ours. Put that over there. This one we don't give a crap about. This one's one of them. This is some Republican. This is our Democratic. Yeah, you, shred you, that one. Yeah. Shred that one. So you get because we're just dealing with accounts with numbers on them with no real names. Well, but they were identified. They were identified in the Swiss bank. You betcha. And so she, they pick and chose who they were going to prosecute. Can anyone tell me 
asks Hillary Clinton, how did you pick these names? What was the criteria? Who in, who actually... Why? Did? I mean, look at... If we're going to go at them, everybody's going down. Everyone's going down. Why do you think there were 19,000? Why do you only get mm. 4,700? I mean, it's the most preposterous thing I've ever seen in my life. So when do you go on 60 Minutes with this? Well, I, I, went, I was doing that around 2000, early 2009, and right at 2000... At 2009, After Hillary did her thing. Oh, she did her thing. Now, when you went on 60 Minutes, because I'm very friendly with the guy who used to run it. He got dumped out uh, of run 60 Minutes. He was at the whole news for CBS. And I'm very surprised because he was a pretty ethical journalist. So when do you unload this and when Croft gets uh, a tight draws? Well, uh, first, Hillary does her thing with that, and it gets worse with Hillary. Then... Don't they bring Bubba out of, uh, out of left field? Oh, uh, well, he bring him then, and he gets a big payday by UBS, $1.5 The largest payday ever to speak for UBS. <laughs> Low interest. While this investigation is going on, while his wife is a secretary of state handling this case. The largest international fraud case in the world. She's handling it. That secretary of state has no bearing. She's not involved with the Department of Justice. Nope. And what? And she's assigned by the president and to you, handle this? To handle this. Yeah, put the clowns in charge, of, in charge of the clown house. So then, not only does the bank um, not get a deferred prosecution agreement... Every uh, one of my bosses gets a non-prosecution agreement, secret. They hide that. The head guy, I gave all these names. He testified in the Senate, pleads the fifth. But he had a secret non-prosecution agreement. That you should have had. That I should have had. Yeah, because you're the one, you're the whistleblower. I, I was the one who gave him everything. Man, what a story. You oh. know, Carlo, this, if you didn't sit here, I can't even... Uh, comprehend how in the hell this crap goes on and they're still running around and this is this was hillary holder and obama they're all criminally complicit i say it again criminally complicit and Watch. the same as they're going to find out with president trump obama was complicit with that with this bullcrap warrant that the they Gazi, got the fisa warrants yeah. the Mueller report the list goes on guys so not only oh. does ubs get off the hook they only get 4,700 out of 19,000 names. They pay a fine of $780 million. I testified in the UBS case in Paris. They had a verdict in February. You know how much the French got? 5 billion euro. We get 580 million? Uh, do the math, guys. What, you, what do you mean you testified just recently? Yeah. It's still going on? This is worldwide, guys. So each country now is still being prosecuted. Wow. Five billion euro. So wait a minute. Why does Hillary, who gets it on a silver platter, yeah. get 580 million? 200 million went to the SEC. So they got 580. And the French get 5 billion. The French out to us. Now, how much do you remember of United States money was in there? There was $20 billion. 20, and they got $500 million. 500, uh, 580 million fine. We had clients who had 400 million. What kind of nonsense is this? So she only gets so many names. I'd love to see who the names that were, were, were discarded are and who they were with. And I'll guarantee you the list would be all contributors to Bubba and Hillary. Well, not only does Bill get a payday, not only does Hillary, the foundation gets money from the Swiss government and the low interest loan of $32 million and so on and so forth. But then 
I find out that some of these people were allowed not, they weren't, they were allowed to come into the amnesty program. The names I gave to the DOJ, which is illegal. If they have your name, like an investigation, you're not allowed to get So amnesty. on $20 billion, we're talking about $500 million. So in reality, if they did their job on the $20 billion and you got your whistleblower, how much do they owe you? Well, they, they should have they should have looked at the number, the profits they made. And I gave them that. That was $200 million a year we made in profit. Mm. Now, for an eight-year period, guys, that's about $1.6 billion. Where's, why are you only finding five hundred eighty? It's a Where's speeding ticket. Billion? But this was going on for decades. Wow. Decades. That's why the French got $5 billion euro, and Hillary gets five eighty. So now you begin to ask yourself, okay, we've moved to the next square. The next square is simple. I found out that some people were not uh, being truthful. They were allowed to come in the program, and the DOJ kept their mouth shut. So now I hired my attorney, Bruce Fine in Washington, we are suing Kevin Costner, the Hollywood actor who had $25 million at UBS, undeclared. Kevin Costner had $25 yep. million? I'm suing him in federal court in Miami right now. And a billionaire from New York, not Donald Trump, Leonard Lauder. Yeah? Yeah. He had an account, and he's denied it, and I'm suing him in Florida as well. Now, under the, the whistleblower thing, can you recover on that? I can recover on all of it. So just why don't you just get one of those visors, the green visor, start <laughs> chinging up, and start going after each one individually. The truth is the truth. That's it. And that's why the lawsuit in Florida, and you can go see it, Leonard Lauder, Kevin Costner are being sued by me. Well, we got to get more. Oh, we're going to get to, oh, don't worry. We'll get to Discovery, and then we'll go after UBS and say, we want the names. I love that. I love that. Well, the only thing is right now we have a window of about two years and we pray that he gets reelected because after that, some other psychopath will be put in there, controlled by Hillary again. Oh, and then all wrong. of a sudden these things will go. Rrr! Exactly. That's why we're pushing this forward. The lawsuit's in Florida. It's, it's filed. It's been uh, going back and forth. So now you actually get incarcerated. How much time did you do? Two and a half years in federal. Penalty. So you get sentenced in Florida for. One count of tax conspiracy. My attorneys argue for probation. The judge tax conspiracy, but you were telling them what was going wrong. Exactly. That's like Sammy Gravano. He killed 19 people. He gave them immunity, and he actually gave them a million bucks on the way out. There you go. And the DOJ hated me, and Hillary hated me. Then, so the problem we they have... They still know you're, you're around. You better take my 9 millimeter, man. I'll be you watch to cover yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, look at you. You're... you're, you're you're a dangerous guy to them. Not to me. You're, you're a hero to me. You're my hero now because of what you've done and put, your, and put your balls on the line like that for the right and what was right. And it, the worst thing in the world is you did nothing wrong but try to expose this crap. Quit my job. Gave up everything. Came there. You should be awarded billions of dollars and don't stop. Don't stop. You know what? You got if we can help you in any way with our investigative teams, I'd love to rip their asses out with you. You want us to I pay my friggin' taxes. Fifty five fifty percent I pay. Every year. And these son of a bitches should be paying their taxes too and not hiding money over there. Exactly. And I think uh President Trump will understand my 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 fate here. Hopefully, maybe the president would pardon me. Are you are you are you in t contact with uh, anybody from the Trump people? I, I don't know anyone down there uh, close to the president, but I'd really love to see if the president could hear this story. He'd say, wait a minute, this was Hillary and Obama screwing this guy and he made America great? We brought back $25 billion to the U.S. government. The money comes in from Swiss banks to American banks. It gets invested in tax forever. Name another guy in the world that did this for America. 
How much came through? Back $25 billion. All that money in those accounts came back. Back. And, and it was like a free-o. And free no. So they, they, it was a amnesty. So they three amnesties, not one, not two, three. The most successful amnesties in the world, and this money came back into American banks. You know who I'm thinking about? I'd like to get together. Uh, Treasury Secretary Mutin. I mean, he would be the guy to sit down with us and uh, sit down with you. I'll take him up to Rails, man. We'll go up to Rails and we'll get Mutin up there, and we'll just say, look, at what do we do? So right now, if you had. If you uh, you went to jail, you, you ended up getting 104 so million dollars. So how was that dollars? process? Did you have to fight tooth and nail to get the uh, award? 104 the million. No, because I hired the attorney who actually wrote the law, and he worked for Senator Grassley. This is the most yeah. successful law in America. It's clean up waste, fraud, and corruption. Ground ball, ground ball to get your money. Bingo. And and remember, think of it, this guys. I only get a percentage of what the government takes. It's mm. the most successful law. It's brought back 60 billion dollars just on the whistleblowing law. Construction, military, everything, everything yeah. where there's graft and corruption. It's an extension, whistleblowers, of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We work with law enforcement. We're helping law enforcement. Why? Because we want our society a better place. Wow. So what are you doing with yourself right now? Other than hunting down, I feel like you're one of those, uh, like the Jewish guys, the, the Nazis hunting them down. Now you're hunting down the corrupt people who made money corruptly. I tell you. I've Don't been, stop now. Oh Come no. on, baby. Let's go. I, I, I dealt with MI5 in England. I've done, I've, I testified in France, Greece, disaster. Testified at the Greek embassy in Washington for eight hours. I helped the Indian government, testified there, South Korea. I'm just trying to figure out, there's got to be groups. I know there are groups that take cases as far as like in patent infringement cases, and they put money down on it. I mean, do you ever think of going to like a big heavy-duty fund or something, say, here's what I got, here's who I'm going after, and just get a big pile of cash there so you have that vehicle to go after all these people? Well, you can't, you can't get paid on the foreign stuff because the laws don't exist on whistleblowing, only in America. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do is open up an office in London to change the laws in Europe so people can come in and get paid. They're risking their life, their future, their salary. Yeah, but we still got a lot of stuff here in the United States. Oh, uh, trust me, I, I've got enough. Is there a statute limitation? No, no statute. As long, I mean, you want more recent information. You don't want to come with information from 1980. But if you have information, first-hand information on anything where the government's been ripped off, come in, report it. You can be anonymous, and you get protected. Well... All I know is one thing, and I got to get a book signed uh, the next day or so because I'm going to see Joe Grano, and I want to gift him this book uh, in Lake Como. I'm going to meet him over Lake Como in October. What am I going? Uh, the first week of October. Yeah, and uh, I want I want to gift this to him from you. Sure. Did you ever meet Joe? I met Joe once at an offsite in Switzerland. So I don't know if Joe's real happy. He probably had a lot of stock ups in UBS. Listen to me. Joe's us. He's a Joe's, us. Joe's a Vietnam veteran, yes. wounded, shot his arms, his legs, shot up there in the Silver Star winter over there in Vietnam. He's the real deal. He's oh. my friend. He's the last guy that would uh, would would have appealed about corruption. And uh, you know, want to know something? He loved to read this because this was his life that he was living. And a lot of people knew it, but no one had the balls to take it on like you. And I mean, I just I I could commend you. You know, I have an ex-homicide detective and all that crap, and uh, I commend you. What you did is just like being in the war, and you still are in the war, and you're still fighting. Because at any time, you could touch a nerve on someone, and someone say, we got we got to shut Bradley up. Yep. And mysteriously, Bradley ends up with a little lead in your head. Exactly. And who, like all the who whacked Bradley, Foster. right? Yeah, you know, like Foster Epstein, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I tell you, what an interesting story. And I recommend Lucifer. Is that how you say Lucifer's it? Lucifer's Banker. Lucifer's Banker. And it's on sale now all over the place. Now, as far as making a movie, this I, I like, you know, I'm involved with movie stuff. This is a great movie. A TV, no, a series. It would be a great series because you could go seven, seven episodes. I think on we got it. a cameo for you in that role. Well, who would I play? You? No, you might play one of the detectives over there in Switzerland. But they're all corrupt. No, the good guys. Oh, the good guy. I don't want to play a bad guy. I don't want to play, play a guy. What an interesting. I tell you, I've had a lot of guests from Scaramucci to Rat. Everybody's been on this show. And uh, Ken Langone, we started Home Depot. We, we have a great podcast. This is one of our, my most interesting podcasts that I've done. How many we got now? We've got... A lot of listeners out there. All no, the no, but how many world. how many podcasts we do about? This 60? is number sixty-three. Sixty-three podcasts is most interesting. This has to be up near the top two most interesting people I've ever had on the show. Well, when you go onto the website and your audience can go on at luciferbanker.com, you'll see articles, interviews, documents where they were trained us how to avoid detection at customs. How to hide money, secret numbers you could hit on your phone and it erases everything. Here's what I want you to do, too, because I want to get involved in that. Is there anyone who's optioned this yet? Nobody, no. Here's what I want you to do. Flow chart. Flow chart of what happened. Just little things where you have a key. Put it together. So I could go to Martin Scorsese or, uh, or uh, Nikki Pelleggi, and I could go to Netflix and say, I got it. I'd you love would, to run with you with oh, this because be I great. believe this this would be a great series and uh, and Carlo knows we got a lot of good connection. This to me would I'd love to be part of making this thing happen. Who do you want to play you? What role is Carlo? You're a handsome play? guy. Well, Carlo could be your backup. Who's going to play you? Matt Damon? I don't know. Nice. McConaughey. I like McConaughey. Not bad. Yeah, I like McConaughey. We got yeah, to we got to feed him a little bit. <laughs> we got to feed him a little, him. a little bit like a guy. No, I like the chunk. I don't like that skinny crap. No. I like a guy that eats and all that. How long are you in town for? I go. Uh, I'm here until Friday, and then I go up to Boston, then back to Malta. When am I going to Boston? I got to meet that guy with the, the thing. The 18th, I'll be in Boston. I got to meet on uh, Monday night. I go back to Malta. Oh, that's where you live, though. Malta in Italy. Why would you want to live in Malta? You know, you got well, to keep you gotta watch, your gotta watch your backside. You even said it here. Uh, what I've done, I got well, nineteen thousand enemies. Plus, plus, plus. But we got to stop. We got to stop them. We can't. We can't let up. Oh, don't and, worry. I was and a little just... word out there, Carlo. A little word. Uh, we're not going to stop because Bo might join forces. Then you really got trouble, right, That's Carlo? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Me. But uh, so what? Every so we're we're winding down. What a great hour this is! And the thing is, we're winding down right now. But at the end of the the show, we always do. Uh, what is your punk of the week? It could be a thing, a person, or what? What bothered you the most this week? Gerald Nadler. This guy. Oh, that piece of shit. Lose the fork, number one. Number oh. two, this guy, can you get off this high horse of yours and start defending the American people for what they want you to do your job, not to go on this witch hunt for his tax returns? You want tax returns? Go ask for Leonard Lauder's tax returns. He's a billionaire here in New York. And see about his tax returns from the UBS accounts he had in Switzerland. Well, you want to know something with Lauder, uh, with, with, not Lauder, with uh, the little judiciary, uh, little, little uh, high-waisted, little fat bastard. He hates Trump because Trump went after him in New York and he called him all kinds of names. <laughs> so, you know, if the, if the shoe fits, the shoe fits, he's a little dumpy piece of shit. And that's what he is. And I'd say to you right now, Gerald Nadler, you are a little piece of shit. And why don't you do your job for America and stop witch hunting?
Yes. And I would have to second you on this punk of the week. Right? I'm right with you, baby. I, I mean, served yesterday. I wanted to puke on the TV. I mean, this is ridiculous that this guy's wasting time and energy mm. with the American people. His yeah. constituents, yeah. they really want him doing this? Yeah, yeah. He's doing put, nothing else. Nothing else. a coloring book and sit in the back room. What a, what a germ he is. Carlo, who's your punk oh, of the week? I have week? A, another favorite punk of the week, Bill de Blasio. He's spending more taxpayer money on this dumb ferry program instead of helping the subways. I mean, how many people take this ferry? I think it's like... Compared to the subway, it's ridiculous. I'll guarantee you, if we look deep enough, dollars. same with his uh, ugly wife there. Yeah, ugly wife, right, de Blasio. $900 million operation thrive for mentally ill, and she don't know what she did with the money. I think I know it. When you have nonprofits with little back doors, monies go there. Yep, I'm making that allegation today. Charlene de Blasio, Charlene McRae, what'd you do with the $900 million that you can't explain? Exactly. This is what's this is what's going on. The taxpayers, once again, the ones who pay for all this are getting cheated, not just once, but twice. Okay. I want all his contacts, cell numbers, everything. I want to be able to operate with him. That's one. Number two is how do people contact you or, or look at, do you have sites? I do. Luciferbanker.com. You can contact me there. There's an email. You can just fill it in real quick. It's about a minute. Luciferbank.com. Now that's L-U-C-I-F-E-R apostrophe S banker.com. Right. I know apostrophe. Just Luciferbanker.com. One word. It's there. You'll see so much information, interviews, the awards. Can you get me this flow chart? I will get that flow Because I'm going chart to you. work with Carla. We do a lot of stuff. I'm going to help you this become a TV series because this thing here just reeks of, uh, of uh, excitement, action, drama. And yep. corruption within the Hillary. Did you have any hot chicks over there in Switzerland? Well, there's a few. We got to add some hot chicks with you. Wait till you read this book. Okay, I good. A, I had a Brazilian girlfriend. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I've been to, to Switzerland. Hot chicks, Carlo. Hot <laughs> chicks. I used to go there with the uh, Talheads, yeah, the uh, royal family of Saudi Arabia. In the late 70s and 80s, we used to fly in there with suitcases of money from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, from Jeddah and Riyadh, and they used to dump their money into the, these illegal accounts there. And then we used to fly around there with all... Then we go to Paris, we go to George Sang Hotel, Prince de Gal, had all the hookers lined up there. It was, a, it was a cool time. But Switzerland, clean, beautiful, nice people. Yeah, it should be clean and nice. They're making enough of friggin' illegal money. <laughs> what I used to say about Switzerland, the, the trains are on time, the money is really beautiful, the food's excellent. When everything's right, there's something wrong. Hey, oh, we'll leave off on that. Oh, hold on. <laughs> One more thing. Did you ever wonder, Carlo? World War II. Tens of millions of people dying, blown up all over Europe. One friggin' place never got touched. Switzerland. Switzerland. So we Swiss. Right? No one would ever bomb Switzerland because everyone's money was there. <laughs> I'll leave on that one. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Real honor. Great, real great honor. show with Brad today. So How we'll, do you get we'll us? tweet out uh, link, luciferisbanker.com. We'll put that all on our social media. You could find us. We're One Tough Podcast on Twitter. Bo is at Bo Deedle on Twitter. You can email us all your questions, all your fan suggestions, podcast at gmail.com. This has been a tremendous episode, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, Bradley. Excellent episode. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, guys. You.